This morning I'm speaking on a subject, and I've got to be very careful what I say this morning. I'm not here to offend anybody as such. We have a mixed group of people here this morning. We're talking about the family, and we're talking about the theme over this period of time is price tags, and there's always a cost that has to be paid, a price that has to be paid, some things that we have to do, some things that we have to put aside. And so we have a mixed group of people like we had in the morning service. We have married people. We have single people don't know what to do and what to get themselves into. And then we have divorced people and we have widows and widowers here this morning. But I pray that as we go along and make application, I trust that the talk that I'm going to share with you will be so transferable that you will be able to use that to share with someone else and uh, be a blessing to someone else. And where you have to apply, make the application this morning as the Lord would lead us. Thank you for the worship team. Uh, that was great. I enjoy that. Nico, I'm going to put on my tackies the next time and join you dancing up on the stage here. Uh, it was good. Awesome. Didn't you love that? Yeah, it was good. Amen. Psalm 127. We have gone through some of the Psalms and some of the others. I just felt I wanted to make use of this particular one at this point in time. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the God stands watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Children are a heritage from the Lord. Never spoken of as a curse, but it's a heritage of the Lord. Offspring a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. I quiver for the thought of having more. (laughs) They will not be put to shame where they contend with their opponents in court. Now, just for the singles here this morning, just this is a, a note for you and some of the married folk most probably would be able to identify with this uh, where you've missed out in making the necessary preparations in wanting to get married because there are some threats that impact our relationship. And some of the threats that face us is adjustments. Now, when you're courting and you're buying chocolates and you're getting roses and you're going to the movies and you're going here and there, you enjoy all these wonderful things. So you don't talk about these issues. And these things, they surface when you get married. And then you realize, hey, wait a minute, what's happening here? In the area of adjustments, there's difficulties. When two people coming from different cultures, different worlds, different values as it were, and they come together to be a couple, to now start a family, you have all these adjustments that you have to make, and it does become difficult in those first couple of years together. Because you don't talk about financial reverses. You don't talk about death. You don't talk about sickness. You don't talk about losing your business. All of these things, you don't address them. And when it happens when you're married, then you realize, how are we going to deal with it? The sad part is that in many cases, 
couples, the way they deal with this is they deal with each other instead of dealing with the problems. Then there's the 50-50 relationship. The 50-50 relationship is basically where you give half and I give half. You do this and I do that. You do the garden, I'll do the dishes. Now, when I was courting with Rita, I had my arms around her. Now she's got my arms in the washing basin, washing the dishes. So I've realized that I've got to do some of these things, right? I've not just my own selfishness. Now, by nature, we are selfish people. As a matter of fact, the Paul says in Romans chapter 7, Oh, wretched man that I am. And he recognized that we tend to be very selfish indeed. It's about me, it's about me. Difficulties, as I mentioned earlier on, affairs. Now, affairs can be different things. It's not just an affair with another man or another woman. It can be a career affair. It can be any type of thing that breaks down the relationship in the home and the family. That's very negative on these thoughts. And these forces can lead to isolation. Because God's purpose for the marriage and God's purpose for the relationship and the family is oneness, not isolation. So, maintaining this oneness is very critical in marriage. And the question that you ask yourself, how is it possible that an enthusiastic, optimistic, hopeful marriage turn into a disaster? Into a disaster. Uh, involved with marriage counseling and all of these things, I find that even sometimes people coming from honeymoon, it's a disaster. Now, I know it's not here. <laughs> so you can sit back and you can relax. I don't know, I feel like Nico now. Nico, do you mind if I take my jacket off? So oneness is God's goal. And the family has become an endangered species. The attack is on the family. And I want to take you back, way back in eternity. I want to tell this little story. and I want to hook it to the rest of the things that I'm going to say as to what is God's purpose for marriage and for the family. But those of you who are singles, I want you to sit back. I want you to relax, take notes. For those of you that are divorced, I'm not picking on you this morning. For those of you who are widows, I'm praying for you. Uh, but I am married, so uh, and the widow is here this morning. Uh, we bless you for that. And we trust that Connect Church has the resources to deal with all of this stuff. So we will help you in those areas. And we've got capable people on the teams that can do that. Before God created Adam and Eve, God created the angels. And amongst the angels was an angel by the name of Lucifer. And Nika, if you wanted a good mentor in singing and worship, Satan was that one. Because he led the host of those angels in worship as he did in the presence of God. He was also the protector of the throne as he stood next to the throne of God. But while he was standing there and he saw the angels bowing before God and worshipping God and singing and pouring out their hearts of praise and worship, Lucifer coveted in his heart. He wanted that which was God's. And he said in the book of 
Ezekiel, uh, book of Isaiah chapter 14, he said, I will, five times he says, I will be like the Most High. I will sit on the throne. I will do this. I will ascend the Mount of God. He wanted that which was God. Now before that happened, there was harmony in heaven. And suddenly, because of the rebellion in his heart, there was discord in heaven. It was shattered, that harmony. Because God that was sitting on the throne was omniscient. He knew everything. He knew what was going on in the heart of Lucifer. And so in Ezekiel chapter 28, we read that as a result of that rebellion, Lucifer was cast out of heaven. One third of the angels was cast out with him. The battle that started way back in eternity, that battle is still raging today in our communities, in our countries, in the world, and in our homes. It is still happening today. And Satan is out to destroy our marriages and our family life. He wants to do that. Some of the questions that you need to consider those who want to get married is, why should one marry? People have different versions as to why they want to get married. I love her. And people, when they speak about love, they don't know what they're talking about. And uh, others say, I want to have my life with him. uh, I want to have my children with her. And so forth, etc. And all of my needs met. And the status, some people get married for status. Question is, why? So out of that struggle that happened in eternity past, God now comes and God creates a man, breathes into the man. The man becomes a living soul. God places the man in the garden, says, manage all of this. Take care of all of these things. Name the animals. It tells me something about the intelligence of the first federal head of the human race. Even the names that he gave the animals then, we still have them today. But then God takes a rib and he fashions a woman. And God becomes the first marriage officer. He wasn't assigned by home affairs. He becomes the first marriage officer. Brings the couple together. And he joins them together. And the reason God did that, because when God looked at Adam in the garden... God said, Di ni magni. He needs help. And so God fashioned a woman, brought this woman to him, and God becomes the first marriage officer. Now I tell you, after looking at all of those animals, the goats, the apes, the monkeys, the lions, the giraffes, the bush pigs, and all of these things, And when Eve came down the aisle, she was a sight to behold. That man was besides himself and he wasn't on any drugs. He was beside himself. And he names her woman. She is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. And that God created this and brought the two of them together. So God had a purpose. Now, what is God's purpose? Well, the first purpose that God has in bringing the two of them together was, and I'm going to give you an alliteration of M's so that you will remember that and you can work on that uh, in your own time. The first purpose that God had for the marriage is 
to mirror God's image. And here we want to go to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26 and verse 28. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Someone said that was written for the creeps. And God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Now, although this text before us as mentioning both Adam and Eve, man and woman, male and female, only Adam was created at this particular point in time. So God made mankind to mirror, to reflect His image on planet Earth. Now remember the theme is oneness. And if there isn't oneness, there's isolation. And so God intended for this couple to reflect His image. And you can only reflect the image in your family, in your home, if you know God. Because if you don't have God within you, if the Spirit of God is not within you, you are a reflection of something else, but not a reflection of God. And I'm not talking of perfection this morning. I'm talking of people that are growing in the goodness and in the grace of the Lord. Whether you marry, divorce, widowed or widower, we are growing in the grace of God to reflect the image of God in our home because that is how God made us to reflect His image on planet Earth. And the importance of this fact is that both Adam and Eve were created in the image of God. They were one. And we know that sin distorts that image. Many people marry without understanding that God's reputation is at stake in their marriage. And if I, Rita, or together, if we are not reflecting the image of God in our home, then whose image are we reflecting? You just have to be a fly on the wall to hear and to see what happens in many homes today. We do a lot of marriage counseling, and 99.9% of the folk that come to us for counseling are all men and women that walk down the aisle that have committed their lives to Jesus Christ at one time or the other. But things are going pear-shaped. You should hear the way they speak to each other at home. The kids hear that. The kids see that they in turn will reflect that as well. And people today are trying to wish away the differences even between male and female. Identity crisis, all of these things is happening in the school. But together, in isolation, I am not reflecting that if I am not living in oneness with my wife and she with me, we cannot reflect the image of God. Because God designed marriage to be a duet and not a solo. And this is important for us to understand in our family. Connect is a family made up of families. 
And as we live our lives at home, and as we experience the presence and the fire of God at home, we bring it to our church. As a koorkie wat ons gesing het, in die vroeger jaar, die wat van die pinkste achtergrond kom, het sê, bring jou vier van die huis af. Now many of us, we bring stuff from home, but it's not the fire of God. If we have revival in the home, we will have revival in our communities. If we have revival in our communities, we will have revival in our city. If we have revival in our city, we will have revival on this continent. And we will have revival here at Connect. People will run and come and see us burn for Jesus. Marriage is designed by God. Not two solo performances. Both bass and the tribbles and the cliffs, all of these things are needed. Last week we came in there, this thing wasn't working because he couldn't play on the cliffs and the, tri- the tribbles because everything was out of sync. But when it's all fixed and when it's together, we make a beautiful sound. The second purpose that God has is not just to reflect his image, but it is to multiply a godly heritage. In Genesis chapter 1 verse 28, in the first part of verse 28 it says, And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the earth. Many of us have been multiplying. I don't know how fruitful we've been, but the Bible says, Be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the earth. God created men and women to be His representatives on earth, who would glorify him on earth. In 127, the psalm that I've read this morning, it says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. And through this line of godly descendants, Satan's kingdom will be defeated. Now let me take you back. What I said to you happened in the beginning with Satan, rebellion, cast out of heaven, all the angels that followed him. Then God comes out of that chaos. He creates a man, a woman, performs the first marriage, and God says to them, you've got to reflect my image, and God says you must be fruitful, and you need to multiply a godly heritage. We can only multiply a godly heritage if we are living for God. If you're not living for God, you cannot multiply a godly heritage. Because children, although the Bible says that they are a blessing, the Bible says here very clearly, here in Psalm, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. When children are born, they are not born saints. They are not born with halos on their head. They don't have wings growing on their back. They are little terrorists. (laughs) They will take you to the edge. They will give you gray hairs or no hair. You know? Only as you and I live for Christ and we flesh out the things that we believe and we teach our children, we begin to multiply a godly heritage. You see, the church is a plus. 
to help you with the youth, young adults, other groups that's happening in the church, uh, women groups coming together, studying the Bible, all of these things. These are all aids, they are all helps. But at the end of the day, it is not the responsibility of the pastoral team to raise your children. It is your job. And this is your manual. This is the book. It must come off the shelf. Onto the pulpit in your home. It would be the table where you read it to your kids. And you tell the story. You don't have to preach a four-point sermon to your kids at the table because they're not going to listen to you. But you've got to make this applicable in your home. They want to see how it works in your life, Dad. They want to see how it works in your life, Mom. So that they can begin to become like you. Children, as I said, are always seen as a blessing. They say for women, the time between 4 p.m. and 7 p.m. is what they call the valley of the shadow of death. That's the time, especially for those who have little ones running around or grandkids running around your house. Where she's just waiting for her husband to come home so that she could have an adult conversation. Because she's so used to hearing goo, 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 mama, 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 and all of these things and pulling her apron and stuff like that. She's waiting for you to come home. For children to appreciate their sexual identities, they must see a harmonious marriage modeled by their parents. Rita and I, we don't have a perfect marriage, but we have a great one. And we're still working at it after 55 years. And with this small brain of mine, it takes a lot to get in. I'm a slow learner. She's a sharp girl. She keeps me on the edge. But my kids, my girls especially, have always said, and I wondered why. They said they don't want to get married until they meet a man like their dad. And that's not because of me. Because if you know where Barry comes from and where Barry is, that's a different story. It is of what God can do for you as a dad. What God can do for you as a mom. What God can do for you as a couple. Even as a single parent. Even as a divorced person. God can do and perform miracles. You can still do it for your kids. So the roles of the husband and the wife can best be understood by children as they observe the modeling of these roles in the home by their parents. Now, you know, kids grow up very fast, you know. They're playing now and they're doing all kinds of things. Uh, But before you know it, they're growing up. Now, there's a song... That was sung by a person by the name of Harry Chapman. Don't worry, Nico, I'm not going to sing this. I won't even try. It's called Cats in the Cradle. 
And this is how the song goes. It's about a, a businessman. He was very successful in what he was doing. It says, a child arrived just the other day. He came into the world in the usual way. But there were planes to catch and bills to pay. He learned to walk while I was away. And he was talking before I knew it. And as he grew, he'd say, I'm going to be like you, Dad. You know, I'm going to be like you. The chorus says, and the cat's in the cradle and the silver spoon. Little boy blue and the, ti- and the man on the moon. When you're coming, Dad, I don't know when. That's Dad saying now. But we'll get together then, son. You know we'll have a good time then. Moves on. My son turned 10 just the other day. He said, thanks for the ball, Dad. Come on, let's play. Can you teach me to throw? I said, not today. I've got a lot to do. He said, that's okay. And he walked away, but he smiled, never dumbed, and he said, I'm going to be like him. Yeah, I'm going to be like him. The last verse goes, It's long, I've long since retired. My son has moved away. I called him up just the other day. I said, I'd like to see you, if you don't mind. He said, I'd love to, Dad, if I could find the time. You see, my new job is a hassle, and the kids have the flu. But it's sure nice talking to you, Dad. It's sure nice talking to you. And as I hung up the phone, it occurred to me, he'd grown up just like me. My boy was just like me. Multiply a godly heritage. Purpose number three. Manage God's creation. Manage God. If you don't rule together, you will fall apart. If the wife is going this way and the husband is going that way, if you are not united, if you are not in one, if you are living in isolation, doing your own thing, you won't experience the blessings of God upon your family and upon your home. In Genesis chapter 3, chapter 1 verse 28, it says, Fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fishes of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over everything that moves on the earth. You have to manage God's creation at home. That's where it starts. If you cannot do it at home, if you cannot cut it at home, don't try to convince people in America that you can do that. It needs to work at home. And what happens at home spills over at work. And what happens at work, it affects your ministry to others. You have to speak with your tongue in your cheek all the time. Because when you start saying certain things, your kids see you, they listen to you, they watch you, and they know my dad is telling lies. It's not true. You know, we are like mirrors. We reflect towards one another. In the negative sense, we reflect very badly. Negatively, when you keep on telling your wife that she's a failure, when you keep on telling your wife that she's a disappointment, I made a mistake in getting married to you. When you condemn everything that she does, you can't make the food like my mother, you can't do this right and you can't do that right. When you disapprove of the way she runs your home, 
when you initiate that kind of negativity as you reflect that towards your wife, the response of your wife is going to be resentment. She is going to rebel. She's going to be a bitter woman. And she's going to withdraw. And she's going to join the church of the first frigid day because of the way you treat her. How you reflect towards your wife. That's negatively. Positively, we are also like two mirrors that reflect towards one another. In the positive sense, if I say to my wife, she's the best thing that ever happened to me under the sun. If I encourage my wife in everything she wants to do and the challenges that she has, and I encourage her and I say, Rita, you can do it. Honey, I'm with you. I support you. I'll do what I have to do. If I accept her and I accept everything that came with that package as is, if I approve of what she does, how she runs the home, how she raises our kids, how she fixes our meal, and she makes me look good at times because where color coding is concerned, don't even tell me what to do because she, when I dress myself, where are you going looking like that? You know, she's there for me, looking after me and doing what she has to do. When, she, when I appreciate her, her response to me is going to be freedom. I was quite challenged the other day when I heard my wife say to someone, with me, she feels safe, she feels protected. And I say, ah, another one. <laughs> but it's because how you treat your wife. There will be contentment. There will be creativity in the home, in the meals that we eat, everything. There will be release. When you go into that bedroom and you close the door and you shut the curtains, for the singles that are here, you're not supposed to listen to me now. But it's great how we reflect towards one another positively. This is important. And then we begin to experience oneness. We need to manage together. It's amazing when a couple, even when they go home, and they say, listen, together we're going to have family altar. We're going to serve the Lord. We're going to be in church on Sunday morning. We're going to read the Bible. We're going to share our faith with the neighbors and our colleagues and our friends and some. When you want to live for God, the Satan, the devil himself is going to attack your family. Because he doesn't want that. Because when we had that whole host of army that was cast out of heaven, there was an army against the things of God. And by God now saying to us, I want you to reflect my image. I want you to manage together. I want you to multiply a godly heritage. God is busy raising up an army that will force back the forces of darkness. And it's the family that can do that. The husband and the wife must support one another. Purpose number four. To mutually complete one another. Genesis chapter 2 verse 18 says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. As I said to you early, when God looked at Adam in the garden, saw him, what he was doing, and how he was battling there, doing the thing, God says, No, this guy needs help. 
So God brought this wonderful woman into his life. And she is not just his wife, to be the mother of his children. She is the consultant. I don't even hear the ladies saying amen. She is the consultant to her husband. That's where you throw in your anchor. That's where you check in and you make sure that you get the right advice. When I'm faced with issues, talk to God, but the first person I run to is my wife. I tell her, and I'm very transparent with some of the issues I face in life. I tell her, and I am. And I guarantee you, I can get good advice all the time. A helper suitable for him. I shared in the early morning service, those of you who ever watched the movie of Rocky, that guy Stallone, you know, and uh, remember what happens in the first series? He meets this lady. She's in a bookstore, plain Jane. He falls in love with her. And he has a relationship with her. He wants to get married to her. But the problem is she has a brother that's an alcoholic. And she was like a mother to her brother. And now all of a sudden, Rocky coming onto the scene, he's now in territory that he feels a bit insecure now. What's happening? So what do you want with my sister? And Rocky turns to him and answers him. I cannot speak like he speaks because he speaks like someone's got a donut in his mouth. (laughs) So he says to this guy, she has gaps and I have gaps and together we fill each other's gaps. Now this little word suitable is the same thing. As a couple, you fill each other's gaps. Gaps. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 11, it says, However, in the Lord, neither is woman independent of man, nor is man independent of woman. In other words, I cannot do this on my own. We need each other. Children need to understand it. And I think we should be in the process of building healthy marriages and healthy families here at Connect and in the city of Cape Town because we need to understand, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 11, I cannot do it alone. We need each and other. So in planning a wife for Adam, God shows us that it is his plan and intention, believe it or not, to get married. So God has a purpose for that. Companionship replaces isolation. Model purpose number five. This is to model Christ's relationship with the church. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 31 and verse 32. For this cause a man shall leave I'm talking to the men now. For this cause a man shall, say it men, leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I am speaking of reference to Christ and the church. Leaving. Now, I know, I don't know if some men are 
find themselves or found yourself in the same situation I found myself. I'm the only guy in my family. I had a lot of sisters. So I got all the attention of my mom. She spoiled me. She did a lot of stuff for me. I spent a lot of time with her. And when I got married, I wanted to do the same thing. And then I was reminded by my good wife, are you married to your mother or are you married to me? (laughs) And I had to change that very quickly because I realized I was going to be in trouble. You got to leave. And that doesn't mean that you disrespect and you don't love them anymore. You do, but you got to leave. You got to set up your own. And then I want to say to the mothers who have daughters and sons that are married, when they are going through their stuff, back off. Don't get involved. It's not your business. It's their business. You can be a good consultant and advisor at the right time. Yes, because of your experience, you can share. I know a lot of moms, they love their sons. You know, and when things are going pear-shaped at home and their sons are not happy, they're not happy. And so they say unkind things. And it becomes ugly. I can assure you of that. It becomes ugly. And then it says, and she shall, and he shall cleave to his wife. It's like bostic, like glue, stuck together. Rita always says that a husband and a wife should be so stuck together that when an ant walks in between the two of them, when he comes out on the other side, he must be suffering from slip disc. (laughs) Close together. And husbands, you need to tell your mother, Mom, this is my wife. You're not going to speak to her that way. And this is the last time it happens, mom. Please, I love you, mommy, but you don't speak to my wife that way. You hear me, guys? I know the girls are going to serve me an extra cup of coffee this morning. (laughs) This mystery, says Paul, is great, but I'm speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Christ leads, Christ loves, And Christ serves. And this is the responsibility as a man. You've got to lead. You've got to set the pace. And I'm not talking about cracking the whip and everyone jumps to attention. I'm talking about leading lovingly as God would want you to lead. And then loving your wife, the children, the way you should be loving. As Christ loved, he gave himself. Serving, it means You don't have to wait for others to serve you. You can serve as well. So some of you men can go home this morning and fix the meal while she sits back and watch a program or read a book. You can do that. It doesn't make you less a man. You can still be the man. And then both roles must be properly fulfilled to demonstrate oneness. Now, if you don't go the route of oneness, there will be isolation. When a man does not leave the authority of his parents, problems arise in the marriage. Joined together, glued to his wife, and marriage does not occur until this sexual union takes place in the way God wants it to take place. 
And only within the context of marriage, outside of marriage, it's fornication. And that's an abomination. God hates that. I say that very nicely to our younger generation. Because I know what happens in youth groups and youth movements and stuff like that. And it doesn't refer to connect. I'm talking of that ABC church down the road where these things happen. These are all the spiritual people living here. And the double blessed spiritual people is coming tonight at 6 o'clock. God help me. But we are a family. You have a family. Your family should be priority A. No matter what happens. If the king calls you. And you have a date with your daughter. You cancel the king's appointment. And I'm not talking about King Jesus. I'm talking about the other one who was appointed king now. Margaret, isn't that right, Margaret? If he calls me, I shouldn't be listening to him. I should be listening to my kids, isn't it? (laughs) Turn to your partner right now. I hope you're sitting next to your own partner. (laughs) I hope you're sitting next to your own husband, your own wife. Turn to your partner. Just look them in the eye and tell them I love you. You can give her a kiss too. Yeah, I don't mind. <laughs> Look at Roland's getting so jealous here because he's on his own here. <laughs> Family is important. It's the best thing. It's the best thing. Fight for your family. Fight for your family. Fight for your family. So God has established this to mirror to multiply, to manage, to mutually, and to model Christ's relationship with the church. May we at Connect be the family that God wants us to be. Amen.